he and his wife welcomed a baby girl into the world here last week. Uh, so congratulations to Philip, his wife Tilly, and their new daughter Pippa. Uh, the Slavin family grew by one last week, so Philip's going to take a little bit of a step back from the podcast here for a little while. And so I'm going to be doing the best I can to get as many different guests on here as I can, quite frankly, so you don't have to listen to me ramble uh, on and on here for you know, 30 minutes or so, and you can get some fresh voices on here and get some different perspectives, and that's the plan. So without further ado, uh, I'm going to get into an interview that I did last night. I'm recording on Wednesday morning, and so this is actually going to go up, so this is pretty fresh. Uh, but I got, uh, his name is Coach Dan Casey on Twitter. Dan Casey, he's a high school football coach in North Carolina, and he posts videos all the time. If you look at his Twitter feed of different plays, both offensively and defensively, what teams and colleges are doing all across the country. And it's a way to just kind of watch football smarter, and it's a really cool you know, thing to see, especially now that we're in the offseason, if you just need to do a little snippet of football. Um, but he posted a compilation over you know, a year span of different stuff that Princeton University did uh, with their offense with Coach Sean Gleason, now the offense coordinator of Oklahoma State is Philip that I've mentioned before. And he posted a whole you know, moments thing on Twitter and said, Oklahoma State fans, you guys got a good one. This is going to be fun. We watched it, and we decided to have him on so that he can kind of give us a little bit of a perspective on what he sees and what he likes and what Oklahoma State fans can expect from Sean Gleason running the offense at Oklahoma State. So without further ado, let's get into an interview with Dan Casey. So I'm here joined by uh, Dan Casey. He is the uh, head football coach at St. David's School in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, he is pretty, you know, he's got some good stuff on Twitter from, you know, just, you know, scheme plays on offense, defense. It's really good. He's a great follow if you uh, have not uh, done so yet. He also played a linebacker at Davidson College. So got a pretty, uh, pretty solid career. Yeah, I'm doing great. Well. I appreciate How are you, you guys doing? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. We get, it's cool to just kind of get a different perspective from someone that maybe, you know, doesn't follow Oklahoma State that closely and can just, from a pure football perspective, kind of go in on, you know, what we're about to see here with Sean Gleason as the, uh, the Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited. I think, uh, I think you guys got a really good hire. I know it's it's not necessarily a, a big name, but I know Coach Gundy's kind of gotten a reputation for um, doing some mining and finding some pretty impressive offensive minds. So uh, I, I, think, uh, I think you guys are going to be pretty impressed when Coach Gleason ends up getting on campus. Yeah, I uh, this this hire definitely came out of the blue. It was not a name I was expecting, so of course I did the you know who, but we also did that when Mike Yurcich came about, and he was pretty good as well. So I I trust that Gundy's the smartest guy in the room, and he made a good hire. But before we get into uh, to Coach Gleason here, uh, give it, give us a little bit of, about your background and kind of your your football career. I kind of mentioned you're you're a head coach at a high school right now, play college yeah, ball. Absolutely. Well, give, I actually give do have kind you. of a rogue uh, Oklahoma State connection. I uh, played high school football in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Uh, was when I was a senior in high school. Oh no way! <laughs> uh, there was a little eighth grader who was uh, on the junior high team behind me named Mason Rudolph, uh, and we we had a pretty good idea Mason was going to be pretty good uh, running around there as an eighth grader, dominating. He was a uh, probably six three, six four eighth grader, um, and then obviously I've ever since then uh, I've kind of watched him mature, and obviously he was. Uh, quite a high school player, quite a college player, and now a pro with the Steelers. So uh, I think I've always kind of just kept an eye over there on, at Oklahoma State because uh, obviously a huge Mason fan, and uh, it's fun to see him mature and grow. And so, yeah, I've always kind of been paying attention to what's happening in, in Stillwater. Yeah. No kidding. That's that's awesome. 
That's that's so exactly. cool. Just one of those six degrees. Yeah. So, uh, but a little bit about me. I, I went and played uh, college football at Davidson College, and my um, my fifth year there was in 2014, and we actually on our schedule was uh, Princeton. Um, and so we were, we were heading up to New Jersey to play against Princeton. And, and at that point, uh, a guy named James Perry was the offensive coordinator and coach Gleason was actually the quarterbacks coach, I believe at that time. Um, but coach Perry was the offensive coordinator at, uh, at Princeton. He's now the head coach at Brown. Um, but anyway, so we're watching film in preparation for this game against Princeton and, um, they have two quarterbacks, they have a righty and a lefty, and they have both quarterbacks on the field at the same time. And, um, when they're on the on the right hash, the lefty comes in motion from the slot. They hand it off to him. He takes off running and throws a sprint out pass. And then they switch out the other way, and the righty comes in motion. He'll take the handoff and throw sprint out passes. And it was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. Um, and so ever since then, I was just kind of fascinated with uh, with Princeton. They weren't necessarily a dominant Ivy League program uh, in years prior, but once Coach Perry got there, and obviously um, when he took off to take a head coaching job, Coach Gleason kept that train rolling, and even more so, um, just that offense became more and more dynamic, and, and honestly, just ever since um, that moment of sitting in uh, in my college film room watching film, just being blown away by the, the creativity and ingenuity happening um, up at Princeton, I've, I've kind of kept an eye on him ever since, and then when I transitioned from playing to coaching, it was definitely um, a program that I kept an eye on, and, and definitely... Um, stole some ideas from to implement with my own team. All right. That's awesome. You know, I can't imagine how hard that had, especially as a, from a, as a defensive player, how hard that was to prepare for to have two quarterbacks on the field. Or did you see any film on that? Yeah, that, was it was that something, something they did throughout, the, throughout the season. Um, and it was really confusing. Um, they, they threw a lot at you. They did a lot of unbalanced sets. They, they made, they did everything that makes you miserable and keeps you up at night as a defensive player. They did. Um, so it was, it was one of the, the toughest games to prepare for. And at that time we, we weren't very good at Davidson. So we ended up getting smacked pretty good, but, uh, it was one of those things where, where you just knew it wasn't just, um, that they had good players. They had great schemes, um, and really knew how to utilize people. And I think, you know, one of the big complaints that, um, a lot of players have is like, Hey, we got two good quarterbacks. Like, how do we, how do we get them both on the field? And they found a system to get two really good kids on the field. And they continued doing that throughout um, throughout Coach Gleason's time there, I mean, they had back-to-back Ivy League Player of the Years uh, at quarterback, two radically different um, different skill sets. Um, but both those kids were able to be utilized within the same offensive system, which is pretty impressive to be able to do. Yeah, absolutely. So going into what Sean Gleason did at Princeton and what he's going to bring to Oklahoma State, can you give you know our listeners just kind of a rough idea of his scheme and kind of what he brings. To the yeah. Table. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm certainly not an expert. I mean, I've, I've been more of a, of a, a casual observer. I haven't necessarily done a deep dive, but from what I've seen, I think you'll see a lot of, uh, a lot of jet motions and, and things to kind of get, uh, get the defense to have to play, you know, from sideline to sideline, you're going to see them use the entirety of the field. And he's, he's also one to definitely take deep shots um, but but I think uh, what can get lost in some of the creativity in the passing game is that is that they're a really physical running team too. Um, they they get downhill. Um, they do a lot of things that are that seem kind of common sense. But uh, you know one of the one of the things that I'd never really seen before is uh, when they try and get the ball out on the edge. It's like the quarterback will take the snap and instead of pitching it kind of like an option pitch, he'll almost throw like a basketball chess pass out to the running back. And so little things like that where, you know, it's not necessarily typical to football, but 
um, just creative and common sense ways to get the ball out quicker. Um, and, you know, I think his screen game is, is really innovative, but he did a lot of, a lot of really interesting boundary screens and slot screens and ways to get the ball in playmakers hands. And so I think, I think he's someone that's going to keep it fresh. Um, he's definitely going to, uh, to challenge, uh, all those tendencies and he has a lot of tendency breakers too. And, and I think one of the things that I'm sure Oklahoma state fans are going to be most excited about is he, he does a really good job with the quarterback run game. Um, definitely does a nice job, um, you know, running that quarterback back to the boundary or, or, you know, counters, different things like that. I think, um, for the, for some of the, the younger guys you guys have at that position, I think he's going to get them, um, moving on the ground quite a bit. Yeah, I love the run. The run game is just, to me, it's just fascinating because we saw a very, you know, yeah. vanilla sort of inside zone, outside zone combination at Oklahoma State with a little bit of zone read in there with Taylor Cornelius. We didn't, definitely weren't going to see that with Mason Rudolph, but we saw it a little bit this year with the quarterback being able to read. And I will say the thing that infuriated Oklahoma State fans <laughs> the most was, oh, Mike, you're such a screen game. Uh, it was very, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it just never worked. But, it, it, you know, it just kind of, it was the uh, beating your head into a wall definition of insanity deal. But when I went and watched Coach Gleason's uh, screen game, and I'm by no means a, you know, a brilliant, you know, X's and O's watcher, but I could see the, you know, it was almost like a tunnel concept with a guard and running back pulling, you know, for as a lead with the tight end and with uh, the other receivers in the trips, for, you know, at the top of the screen, you had a mismatch, you had, you know, odd men blocking, and it was an easy to walk in touchdown. Like it's just very common sense, but yeah. it. And you'll, and you'll see. I think you'll see a works. lot of formation into the boundary. You'll see a lot of unbalanced formations. I mean, um, I think uh, obviously you have when you're working with Princeton kids, you're working with some pretty smart kids. But I think you know the, those schemes are becoming more and more accessible now. Um, I think uh, you know the the language around football is is becoming a little more uh, common, and I think people are comfortably sliding into schemes a little bit more easily. So, you know, I think running some of these, uh, these things with some of the athletes that you guys are able to get at Oklahoma state, or it's really going to open up, uh, some, some really neat possibilities. And I think, you know, obviously coach Gundy's got some things pretty dialed in with RPOs and different things like that. And I think, you know, that, that collaboration between coach Gleason and coach Gundy is really going to be going to be fun to watch. Cause I, I think they're, they're going to be guys that are going to be willing to bounce ideas off each other. And coach Gundy's you know, he's got a system, but he's always willing to let people uh, kind of create off of it, which I think is why he's he's one of the best in the business. Absolutely. And the thing that I'm ex- I think I'm most excited to watch, at least with Coach Gleason's offense, is the usage of the tight end. We haven't seen that too much. I think Mike Yersich brought in the Cowboy back position. It was really kind of innovative for the Big 12 and kind of that hybrid fullback position and it worked but the last couple of years have been really underutilized really ever since Blake Jarwin left Oklahoma State and went to Dallas and we kind of saw it a little bit with Jelani Woods moving quarterback the Cowboy back you know 6'7 260 yeah. target you know we saw it a little bit more but I think with him and yeah. Grayson Boomer and you put them in a two tight end set that's going to open up a lot of things for Oklahoma State down you know down the field but in the red zone too you have two big targets to throw to you know as a true tight end hand on the ground it opens up the run game too. I think that's going to be a huge part of the offense for Oklahoma State. Absolutely, I imagine we'll definitely see some end line tight end with Coach Gleason. That's something that that he utilized quite a bit at, at Princeton, from what I remember. I love that. It's one of those kind of old school meets new school sort of things. You just don't see it too much. You're seeing a lot of tight ends who are split out wide now, but I think when you have just that 
true base formation. It just opens yeah, up and so much. Defenses are really struggling to deal with, uh, with three man surfaces now when you have a guard tackle in the tight end. You know, it's, it's a little more difficult to play some of the defensive fronts like, uh, you know, Iowa State and Texas are playing with those three down linemen inside the tackle. You really have to start adding defensive linemen. And so I think. You know, that's that's something that's probably going to get a re- renaissance around the Big 12. I mean, you're obviously going to see a lot more tight ends with uh, Coach, uh, the new coach at Kansas State, Coach uh, Kleeman, I guess. Is it Kleeman? Kleeman? Yeah, from uh, North Dakota State. Clark obviously, Kleiman, he's going to bring a lot more uh, a lot more of a, a downhill run game identity there. But I think um, it's definitely going to challenge some of those defenses to have to deal with the three-man surface as opposed to just the, just the guard and tackle, which I think a lot of these Big 12 defenses are starting to dial in on a little bit. Absolutely. So the, my next thing I want to get into, so I went and watched a little bit of film on Princeton when yeah. I found out that Coach Gleason was going to be the hire, and I went and watched the game in 2017, so I was a little more wide open. They're you know throwing the ball over the place. Uh, Chad Kanoff was a great quarterback there, and then I watched the game in 2018. Yeah. I think I watched a 2017 game on accident, honestly, yeah. but you know it ended up working out to this next point. John Lovett was much more of a downhill running style quarterback. Totally. He, threw, he threw very, you know, effectively. Wasn't necessarily known for his arm, but could make yeah. the throws. But it was a lot more of a running style offense and a very effective yeah. running style offense, averaging almost 300 yards on the ground. Is Does this speak more to Coach Gleason's scheme and his offense being kind of a one-size-fits-all and that, you know, scheme can fit no matter who the quarterback is? Or does this say more about how he's able to adapt yeah, his offense? Yeah, I, I think to it's, it has a lot more to do with him adapting his offense to, to fit the skill set of his players. Uh, I think even before um, Chad Kanoff was there, there was a kid named – think his name was Quinn Epperly maybe he was a lefty um and he was he was quite a player as well and you know what what they would do with him is they would run zone read stuff and then give him an option to throw it out to uh like a a bubble screen it was basically a triple option uh, but he was throwing it instead of pitching it um and so you know they have they have some different schemes for different skill sets and I think that um yeah I don't know if it's necessarily that he's um uh that his scheme is so wide open that anyone can have success on it. I think he really is dialed into um, utilizing the skill sets of those players to the, to the best of their ability. And obviously, you know, Love it was a pretty pretty big, strong, tough kid who could uh, who could run it, um, and was basically you know an extra running back back there. And um, but so I think I think Coach Gleason's able to have success uh, with with a lot of different types at quarterback. I don't think he's um, locked in from a recruiting standpoint to have to get a certain type of kid for his offense to work. Whereas some, you know, some coordinators really do need a certain type of kid for their offense to work. Um, I think he's able to adapt and, and find success with, with a couple different types, whether it's more of a, you know, traditional pro style passer or more of a, more of a, you know, dual threat guy. Okay. I think that's encouraging, at least because I know that I don't, you know, it's not like he's coming into a system where he has one type of quarterback. Drew Brown can kind of do like a similar, you know, he can get outside the pocket, make plays, but he's, you know, he'd love to sit in the pocket. Spencer Sanders, pretty similar. Brendan Costello can sling it, but he can run as well. So I think he's got a good balance of quarterbacks in the room right now that he can find his fit. And I think it'll be, I think it'll be just fine. I was just going to say, and and like I was saying earlier, I think you're going to, you're probably going to end up seeing multiple quarterbacks in the game. I mean, I would not be surprised if you see um, some different packages put in for different guys or even getting two guys on the field at once. I mean, I think, you know, it it really is getting the most dynamic athletes on the field with that offense. And so if that's guys at the quarterback position, I think you're, you're going to be, you're going to see a willingness to get, get, several different guys on the, on the field and, and utilize their skill sets and find some interesting and creative ways to do that for sure. 
I'm pretty sure that every Oklahoma State fan in the the stands would pass out if Drew Brown pitched it to Spencer Sanders to Tylen Wallace for a touchdown. That might just, oh my God, that, I'm I'm having dreams about that now. That's great. All right, <laughs> I love that. Um, but obviously, going from Ivy League to the Big Twelve, that's a huge transition. It's going up a division from FCS to FBS. How much of a learning curve do you think there could be for for Coach Gleason with uh, you know you know transitioning to defenses that a little bit faster, have a lot more athletes out there. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to, to see, but um, I don't know. I mean, the more I've the more I've been around it and the more I've seen guys make transitions from different levels, uh, whether it's high school to college or lower levels in college to, to higher levels, I've really seen um, there to be a lot of a lot of parity in the way that that the positions are coached. And uh, I think I think he's going to do really well. I think he's probably seen some pretty advanced defenses in the Ivy League. Um, they, they get into some pretty creative stuff, um, and, and are able to bring a lot of different looks and different pressures and different things like that. And so I don't think there's going to be many things in the, the big 12 from a defensive standpoint that are going to catch him by surprise. Um, now there's always, you know, adjusting to the different kind of athletes and the different kind of matchups that you can get. Um, but he, he also had some kids at Princeton that were, you know, pretty legitimate NFL talents. I think that receiver they had just for Horstead, he's a stud baseball player. He's, uh, also an incredible football player who might even end up getting drafted. So it's not like he was dealing with um, kids that didn't have a future in the game. So I think, you know, obviously as a coach, you're always, when you're moving up to a level like that, you're um, licking your chops a little bit about some of the athletes you can get and some of the matchups you can create um, with receivers and running backs. And like you said, even tight ends. And so I think um, if anything, it might even make him more creative seeing some of the athletes that he can, uh, can get in space. Yeah, I think that's going to be the, you know, the biggest thing for him. It's not like he's moving, you know, moving laterally in the FCS. He's moving up to the Big 12 where some of the best athletes in the country go to play, especially with wide receivers in Oklahoma State. He's going to have Tylen Wallace, Chuba Hubbard. He has Spencer Sanders throwing the ball for him. Like he's coming in with a ton of athletes. I think he's just looking at his chops, thinking about how he's going to get them in space and get them open. And, you know, I think that's just he can even counter some of the speed he's going to see in the big 12, you know, defense is optional at times, but I think he's going to be able to be as effective as possible, you know, just, you know, running his scheme. And I, I'm really excited for what he's going to bring. I didn't obviously know anything about him until I saw his name come across, but the more I've looked into it and the, you know, from what you've said, I, I think this is going to be a great yeah. hire. For well, and, and the I thing too is that really he's well. developed multiple quarterbacks and multiple different types of quarterbacks. Um, and, and I think, you know, having, uh, an elite quarterback in the big 12 is, is a difference maker. And so I think coach Gundy had that in mind when he made the hire. And I think he also had in mind, like wanting to keep a guy around for a few years. I know um, with the coaching market and as hot as it can be, especially when, when somebody gets some momentum um, it's you're, you're dealing with a lot of turnover. And I think coach Gundy's really hoping that coach Gleason can, can stick around for a few years and really develop something there and um, get those quarterbacks, uh, coached up and, and, and really firing on all cylinders. Yeah, I think this was a hire that was, you know, we kind of heard that Coach Gundy was going to hire someone, you know, he wants someone that's going to stick around so that he has, you know, a little bit of culture, you know, people that can stick in the culture and have that little bit of longevity, which is kind of rare in coaching nowadays, especially with the way offenses are moving. But I think this was a perfect balance of getting someone that was on people's radar that people knew about and someone that, you know, was it complete Mike Yersich pulling someone from D3 
this is someone that has had success at the FCS level, but there's just enough anonymity yeah. there that I think he could stick for at least three years. And I and Coach Gleason's young enough, he's going to go somewhere and he'll get a group of five job in three to yeah. four years if he has success. I have no doubt in my mind about that. But I think this at least sets, you know, a little bit of a precedent that and Mike Gundy is just going to be the smartest guy in the room. Like he just always is. So I know that this was the right hire, but I think I think this was a good hire and it found a balance between finding someone's going to be there for a few years, but not finding someone that you know yeah, is down, sure. you know, in the well. And, and with no the access here. that coaches now have to um, to see whether it's social media or or just being on the internet and being able to catch people's film and watch people's schemes, I think. Um, this isn't going to be the last hire you see that kind of comes out of the blue like this. I think you're going to see more and more coaches go to lower levels and say, you know, who's coaching the best football? Who's putting points on the board? Who's doing something creative and innovative defensively to stop these people? Um, and it's not going to matter as much about uh, your pedigree and who you've learned under. It's it's kind of what are you doing right now? Um, and so I would imagine, you know, I think Coach Gundy's definitely a trend center when it trendsetter when it comes to this stuff. But I think you're going to see more and more coaches go. Um, mining these lower levels of football to find some really, you know, unique stuff that that you're not going to see as much maybe in the in the Big Twelve or the SEC or ACC. All right, I'm really excited for what Coach Lisa's going to do. It gives me a reason to go to the spring game. I know it'll probably be super vanilla, but at least I see something new. So that'll be a really exciting thing. Well, that's all I had, Dan. Thank you very much for coming on. You know, what are some of your off-season plans? You got anything oh, man, coming I'm, up uh, here coaching the track team. So uh, we're going to see if we can can go uh, get a four-by-one together and some sprinters. So, uh, you know, that always benefits the football program if you got some speed out there. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, that's awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Before you leave, you can do a little social media plug. Where can everyone follow you on yeah, Twitter? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on Twitter at Coach Dan season. Casey. Uh, I'd love for you to follow along. I'm learning a little every day and uh, trying to share some too. So, yes, I sure am. I, you know, you're you're making me smarter every time I go and come across your Twitter feed. So, thank you very much. And uh, this was really insightful. Awesome, and I'm man. Sure I appreciate you having me on. The same. Yep, absolutely. Have a good one. Thank you once again to Dan Casey for coming on the podcast and giving us a little bit of a different perspective on what Sean Gleason is going to bring to the Oklahoma State offense. I'm very excited about what you know what he's going to bring, and I'm sure you are as well. I'm even more excited after that conversation. I think it's going to be a very fun to watch. Uh, I think it's going to be different than Mike Yersich, and I think it's going to be different for the better. And I'm excited for what 2019 is going to bring. We got a long way to get. You know, to get there right now, the football season's officially over, but at least we have some, you know, a little bit of football to talk about every now and then. Uh, spring game coming up here in a little bit. You know, fall camps are just around the corner, it feels like. So there's a lot, you know, still a lot of storylines to talk about before the 2019 season kicks off. But I think that wraps up this episode here. You can follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow Philip at OKTXAR Poke and follow his podcast at 1012, T E N 12 Podcast. And you follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. We've got a bunch of stuff up this morning. DeAndre Glass committed to Oklahoma State. we got uh, Arlington Hambright, offensive lineman, decided to transfer. And so there's a lot of good content up there. TCU preview. Um, there's a lot of good stuff coming up. So we'll see. And we'll you know, stay locked on the site. We're going to continue to follow football coverage because I think the grad transfer market is going to start coming up here soon. And we'll see where it leads. Have a good one, everybody.